Hello, and welcome to the Red Dwarf spoiler cast for Back to Earth and Season 10. Well, in this episode, we'll be discussing what we think Heath and Angela will say about the upcoming seasons. I will be going around the room in a second to introduce everybody. First of all, we have Darren. Hi. We have Stephen. Hello. We have James. Hello. We have Anne. Hey. We have Sam. Hello. We have Rosie. Hi. We have Jonathan. Hello. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, you've all, all of you have been on before, so we won't, uh, um, talk about that. Um, my first question is, um, back to work. First of all, they don't know it's on a different television station. They've been watching it for the past eight seasons on the BBC. Yeah. And they assume it's still going to be on the BBC. Well, well, no, didn't we go into this a little bit on the Only the Good I don't, intro cast? Yeah. I, don't think we, I don't think we specifically mentioned it was on a different television station. I think station. we said no, that the BBC did didn't make the next yeah. series. Yeah, the BBC didn't want it anymore, and that's why there wasn't one mm. for ten years. So Yeah, but that's all we said. So, we never actually specifically mentioned another TV station took it. I guess it could have yeah. been like a straight-to-DVD thing. Yeah. Yeah. Strange things have happened. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it, in my opinion. Yeah. So how do you think they're going to react when they actually find out the fact, first of all, it's on a different television station, and second of all, um, there was practically no budget to it? I think they'll be... Well, I think they'll say, oh, well, that's okay then. At least we've got it anyway. And then they'll be fine with it. Because it's still the same cast. There wasn't any cast changes. I think they'll be amazed at the production value, seeing as how there was hardly any budget, to be fair. Mm. Um, As the token American, like Ethan Angela, I can say that I didn't know it was a news station when I first watched it. And I I didn't know until I read it later and found out. So there wasn't anything. Mm. I mean, it looked more modern. It looked more... The production values were better, but I assume that was because it was made ten years later. So, mm. well, it was the first TV series recorded with um, red cameras, wasn't it? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, you say there's no cast changes, um, but from the main cast, uh, we we lost Holly, and we've lost Gachansky, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we've lost Hollister. He, well, yeah. Though all of those things were were not meant to happen. Yeah. Doug Naylor wanted Mac McDonald back as Hollister to be part Mm. of the main group, as well as Norman Lovett as Holly for the second part. Mm. And obviously, Chansky does appear at the end. Yeah. But isn't she appearing as Chloe in it rather than as Kachansky? No, she's Kachansky. Yeah, she appears as Kachansky like it's inside Lister's head, so he's imagining mm. Kachansky rather than the actress. She's... Mm. Yeah, she appears as um, in the in the magazine article as Chloe Annette. Yeah, I believe. I don't know if it, I don't know if she's named in that, but so it's he knows that she's walking around somewhere as Chloe Annette, but then he imagines her as Kachansky later on. Mm. That's how I took it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, um, that was kept an incredibly good secret because I didn't even know that she was going to appear at the end. Mm. Anyone did. Yeah. No, yeah. Complete surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> keeping a secret like that. Uh, it's know, a bit um, it's a bit paradoxical for me because I really don't like this this particular series at all. But I think that was the best performance she herself has done in a Red Dwarf episode. Well, it, oh. wa- it wasn't written particularly badly. I think that helps. Mm. Mm. Why don't you like about it, Dan? Um. Well, yeah, okay. The CGI was wasn't bad, but I've seen more convincing CGI sets on fan-made Star Trek episodes. Um, I just I could never really suspend my disbelief and get into the episode. I, just... I think uh, my part of the problem with these episodes is the lack of the laugh track. Um, mm. It just yeah, that's makes a big... it just feels so it feels so empty without it. It just doesn't feel as warm as the other series do. Mm. Well, and the actors still have pauses in there every once in a while, because I think yeah. they're used to it, so that makes mm. it a little more awkward. Yeah. I mean, on that point, because, of course, Heath and Angela uh, watched the remastered episodes in Season it's 7. Expanded. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Expanded, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they kind of, you know, they've seen that, so do you think they're going to find the fact that there isn't a laugh track in Back to Earth a problem? I think they might like it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah, because they, they seem to put, they seem to quite like the lack of laugh track on, on, the, on the extended versions, so. Mm. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I still, there was a nice theory about the, the <coughs> laugh track on Back to Earth. They should have had it for all the ship scenes before they entered yeah. the hallucination and then mm. removed it afterwards. That and, would be um, Yeah. <clears throat> That's a good point. Maybe if they had a little bit more than two weeks to make the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. In, indeed. I mean, uh, what about Katerina? I found her irritating, I, I have to admit. I liked her. I quite enjo- enjoyed her. She was a good foil to Rimmer. Instead of mm. it just being Lister yes. or Crichton, it was like, I. it was someone that he had to be nice to because she was his superior. Right. Mm. The only um, the only thing I don't really like is how they got rid of her. To be honest, mm. <laughs> I'm going to be the Point. contrarian on this one because that's I cheered when that happened. It's probably the only time <laughs> I did. I, yeah. I didn't the, like the point I, I didn't like her disappearing, but I did like how they did it. It was clever. The point on that is because we're going episode by episode and not doing the director's cut. I've got a funny feeling they're going to think that she is um, a permanent member of the cast. Well, yeah, yeah the, first, the first part does give that impression that this is mm, going to be a, indeed. an adjustment, not just a one-off. Indeed, yeah. And because they think that, do you think they're going to react to her differently, or...? Um, I've got a feeling... I've got a feeling that, uh, well, An- Angela's quite liked Kachansky, hasn't she? She's not, mm. um, may- I-, I have a feeling that may- it might be a bit of a problem for her. Maybe she'll, you know, not like Katerina and be a bit annoyed that they've repla- uh, seemingly replaced Kachansky. Mm. With I a younger think, uh, woman. Angela's, I don't think they're going to see the twist coming that Kachansky isn't dead and that she's still out there somewhere. I, mm. I don't think they're going to see that coming. It's like I'm pretty sure they haven't clicked onto the back two in the t- title sort mm. of referencing back to reality. Mm. 
Yeah. Um. One. The one thing I've avoided yet. No cliffhanger resolution. <laughs> Good. See, I've got. A, I've got. I've discovered something. If you watch series seven, and mm-hmm. watch Nanarchy, mm-hmm. and then completely avoid season eight and just go straight to Back to Earth, you don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. You don't miss like anything that. at all. It's like sure the ship was big. And all of a sudden they've got Rimbaud and Kachansky's missing and Holly's gone again. But other than that, there are a lot less plot holes than just going than going from series 8 to Back to Earth. But mm. you miss Crytee TV. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was literally one person in the entire world that would be disappointed with that, James, and that's you. <laughs> I wasn't the one. I'm the person who likes the Data Doctor, so... <laughs> oh... In, in, the, in the Ganymede and Titan poll, one person put it top, I believe, and that wasn't me. That's true. I think that might have been a joke as well, <laughs> but we couldn't prove it, so we can leave it <laughs> I have to admit, the one weakness in your poll is from any week, week to week, my opinion on which is the best five and the worst five will probably change. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's very much a snapshot of like, yeah, one particular like two week period. But I guess, yeah, I guess those things kind of all even out when when you get enough people. Um, anyway, I still think it was yeah, a good poll. It's probably the best one we've had because it wasn't guided by advertisers in magazines. <laughs> yeah, true. and more people have taken part this time, haven't they? I know I took I took part in this one, but I hadn't taken part in any previous sub polls. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the first one we'd done that was um, that was thrown out to everyone. We did like a, a, a big sort of fifty-two um, ranking list, but that was just just the G and T people voting. And before that, it was all uh, fan club magazine stuff. And I don't think the pool was very big for those. I think I can't remember what it was, but it it wasn't. We had about two hundred and fifty, so I think it's probably the biggest. Even though it's not huge, it's, it's probably the biggest it's, that we've had. Yeah. Um, so going back to my original question, what do everyone think when they see there's no cliffhanger resolution and everything's nine years later? They'll um, care. I think by this point, yeah, by this point they'll just be glad that it's moving forwards and it's not Series Eight anymore. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. And they'll think, yeah, good move. I mean, they'll probably say forget. they'll probably just say, "Oh, they haven't resolved the cliffhanger." Oh, well, I don't need to know. <laughs> I don't need to know anything from that series. Let's just move on. Because when Red Dwarf yeah. tries to resolve stuff from the past and tries to bring it in, sometimes it can take up an entire episode in itself. I think that kind of thing should probably be a novel or something like that instead of a TV show taking up a slot. Mm. One thing I think they might pick up on, and generally they're the opposite of me, so I could be completely wrong on this, with that huge gap, and they're very much into character development, Craig, uh, Lister hasn't really grown up at all in that nine years. And when we get into ten, that's one of the things I love about it, is they're actually starting the process of making Lister grow up a tiny bit. Yeah. But I think that Back to Earth does have a good resolution to the cliffhanger, which is nine years later. I think that's as good as you should expect yeah. from Red Dwarf. It's like nine years later. It's clean. There's, it's already happened. We don't have to explain it. Mm. And it isn't the first time they've done this either, because obviously the uh, 
how the scroll at the beginning or backwards. <laughs> I think there was a time when they would they would be annoyed at the lack of continuity. Mm, but yeah. yeah, like Rosie says, I think at this point they'll have a very similar reaction to most fans, which was, ah, oh, well, okay, let's have a clean break. They've acknowledged it, and just let's just move on. Um, yeah, I mean, worse. But, the worst thing that they could possibly have done would they couldn't have done any worse than the start of Ticker to Ride because Ticker to Ride had the same sort of there's this massive cliffhanger this is how we've gotten out of it but there's no plausible way to have shown the end yeah. of what happens after series 8 I mean it's just presumable that they went to another dimension and the Red Dwarf they're on at the moment isn't the original ship Yeah, and it would just slow down whatever new thing um, Doug would be trying to do because he, yeah. it's like you've got to dedicate maybe a quarter of the show to just mopping up the, the pieces from the past I, I can't remember who it was that said it, it may have been a Doctor Who expert or someone who worked on the movie but about the Doctor Who movie is that the biggest mistake they made was having Sylvester McCoy in it and actually um, bothering to try and bridge that gap when really they probably could have had a better movie if they'd just started straight off with McGann I don't know if I agree with that, but it's an interesting thought. You know, you, you kind of beholden to the continuity. Of it, it is, but I quite liked the scenes with Sylvester McCoy at the start. That, that oh yeah, that was that was a good part of the movie. I thought because then it sort of led into the new Doctor. But he was my he was my Doctor, as I'm sure I've said before. So uh, yeah, he would have been if I was watching it. I think my mum hated Sylvester McCoy, so I never watched Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Best Doctor ever. But anyway, um, back to Red Wolf. <laughs> um, I think, the, uh, just one more thing about the cliffhanger resolution. I, d- yeah. I don't think... Yeah. I think one another reason it's not going to be such a big issue for them is because they haven't had to wait ten years. Mm. Um mm. You know, unlike most yeah. of us, you know, so it's not really going to be much of a problem for them. I think they'll just go for it immediately. And mm. well, that might be why why they don't like it. That might be why they don't like the whole thing. There's a lot of the the well, the people that do actually like it. Um, it, it's just basically that they, you know, they were desperately waiting for something to come along, and so when it did, you. You really want to see the good points and not the negative. Yeah. Mind you, that doesn't sound like many Red Dwarf fans, I know. What I what I find absolutely um, entertaining, I don't, I know they use IMDb a lot to re- research um, uh, actors who have been in Red Dwarf. This is the episode. Um, thing for um, Back to Earth Part 3 on IMDb. Back to Earth Part 3. Go behind the scenes of Red Dwarf, Back to Earth, in this making of special featuring interviews with the cast and crew. <laughs> That's on IMDb right now. Yeah, um, keep in mind with IMDb, it's... I, I, when I was still young and in my trolling days, I once turned Alvin Purple, the movie character, into a real person and put up his entire movie history and it took them about a month and a half to realise it was bogus and remove it, so... <laughs> I remember many years ago now, I was bored on a Friday and I decided that uh, Norman Lovett was going to be playing Davros at the end of the first series of the new Doctor Who. <laughs> 
Um, so I put this in, went away for a weekend, came back, and it had got quite a lot of traction. Quite, it, like, and, um, so, yeah, that was embarrassing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, IMDb, it can be very easily fooled. It's, um, yeah, but... And people, it's because people take the information as read, they take it as, you know... They take it as face value. Oh, my God, the internet can't be wrong! <laughs> yeah, I mean, people know with Wikipedia that it could well be, yeah. you know, just some random person editing. I don't think people particularly know that about IMDb. Yeah, they keep putting Adric's ghost as, as every Christmas special of Doctor Who comes about. You'll see Adric's ghost in the catch. <laughs> Played by Norman. <laughs> Why have you bloody left me here? I could have been in more episodes. Yeah, I was a good character. <laughs> I should point out at eight at um uh, at eight o five p.m. on the tenth, as we record this, um. Heath had just messaged me saying that we watched Back to Earth Part 1 last night. Oh, okay. Any spoilers? Go on. (laughs) Um, He he just responded to me saying, no, no, can't spoil the predictions. (laughs) (laughs) We're not spoiling them that they're not spoiling us, that we're not spoiling them. But they know that we're not spoiling that they're spoiling that we're spoiling us. (laughs) Yes. You should have been a Scooby-Doo writer. <laughs> I just thought I'd put that. I just thought I'd put that out there. Um, is there any, anybody else got anything else to say on um, Back to Earth before we move on to season ten? What about all the Blade Runner stuff? Yeah, that was. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like that. Hmm. No, well, I, I think it, some of it was. Cl- I like some of the in jokes, like Rimmer's comment about, "Oh, I hate three-parters." I'm thinking, "Ah, oh, Doug must have read some feedback on the first part of Series Eight, <laughs> and then done a three-parter anyway." <laughs> I, I did love his one. One little thing I did love was his little slap at, um, well, basically internet experts who know nothing—the the guy in the Sainsbury's or whatever it was selling the television. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah well, that was. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that, I was just going to say that was the first joke come back to Earth. I really laughed hard at the um, uh, the uh, the small penis joke. <laughs> 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 what What do you think Ethan Angel are going to think of the whole fourth wall meta concerning Craig Charles himself? I think they'll Ooh. enjoy it. It was quite. It was quite qu- cleverly done. Um, I do think they are going to, they're going to re. Well, they have. I'm, I'm guessing they have enjoyed um, Craig Charles's acting as Lister when he's going to the memorial uh-huh. and starting mm. to read. I think they're going to be bowled away by that. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've just got two words to say to that. Culturally confused because they have no idea. I'm assuming they have no idea what Coronation Street is. I was going to say they're going to have to learn about yeah. a new show. Well, I, because I think we mentioned if, it last week. We mentioned that Craig Charles in the Gap had been in a soap. Yeah, yeah. they are familiar um, with Dallas. So there was another show in that period in, on American television, Knott's Landing, which is very, very was, similar to. And there was Falcon Crest too. We had a few nighttime dramas like that back in the eighties. And that they interreferenced each other occasionally too, just like the Coronation Street set of shows do. 
Mm. For me, the best joke in that was uh, right at the end where he says, I, I need to get back to the Priory. But <laughs> 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 well, that, that's something that needs very specific context. But, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I doubt they know about his Naughty Fridays problems. Mm. But, uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bit of a history lesson uh, on our actors. <laughs> yeah, probably. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's all about Craig Charles. <laughs> well, I will um, say, I will say, in Craig Charles's defence, at least it took him only two major stuff ups before he woke up to himself. Unlike some actors in this world. Well, well that's controversial. I'd say it's one major stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I do accept that he was found innocent of the first one. I just. The situation there was he put himself in a position where he really should have known better and should have been a lot more careful about who he was mixing with. He shouldn't have assumed that a celebrity's gonna get, get a, everyone being nice to them. There's people that are out to get you if you're a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair point. One thing, um, I wanted to bring up before we move on to 10, um, mm. is, uh, Craig Charles's performance in Back to Earth, I think, for me personally, that's something that really stands out, um, especially towards the end of Part 3. Um, yes. I, I, I think um, Heath and Angela are going to really be, um, you know, really impressed. I think they're really going to enjoy that part, I think. Well, I, yeah. well, I think his scene with Kachansky in the car is his best acting in Red Wolf. Of completely. Well, I think I do agree with you there. I do love that scene, but I think for me, my favourite scene is um, the one just before it when he's in the creator's room and um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know um, he's in tears saying that line. Um, you know, I never wanted to wake up. It it's it is a quite a bit different um, from a lot of Red Dwarf, but it just it really worked for me. I really liked that moment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can I just say, I think that his acting is an awful lot better. Um, but I think them seeing it so soon after, soon after Series 8 might be a bit jarring because it sometimes it, it, it clashes slightly with Lister's character. Hmm. But it is nine years later inside the show, so, you know, you can... Mm. It yeah, does kind of account for yeah, that on screen. And they've aged noticeably, I mean... Mm. Yeah, that is true. It's, it's a big, big shock, the ageing difference. Even when you live that ten years, rather than only seeing it a couple of weeks later. And Crichton looks to have aged the most. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as bad as the nose on the series Ted Mass, though. Hmm. Let's, let's just leave it at that. Um, my favourite parts from Back to Earth, though, are on, current, on the Coronation Street sets, actually. Crichton opening the post box. I, I love that. And... Yeah. Um, the conversation in the cabin that with them all doing Manchester, well, pretend Manchester accents were just great. Mm. Oh, I thought they were. I thought they were one hundred percent accurate. That's what. <laughs> That's the impression <laughs> I've got of Manchester. <laughs> but uh, Professor Mamet's obviously the greatest robotics expert in human history because she's she got an, an android with an, an uh, organic brain. And skills, skin cells at age. I mean, that's just genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, in uh, in Hollow Ship, uh, 
he was diagnosed as probably burning out in about five years, so I think he's doing fairly well. Mm. <laughs> True. Well, if you don't mind, everybody, I'm going to be moving on to uh, season ten. Yes, please. Uh, first of all, it doesn't seem a year ago this week it finished. That's right. It really doesn't, though. Mm. Wow. When did we grow old? <laughs> Curse you, God, for making me age this way. I can give you the exact date I officially became old. Cause it was exactly about two years ago, two years and one month that I couldn't figure out my car stereo and had to get my goddaughter to program it for me. <laughs> You're officially old at that point. In, in, the word, in the word of Bones McCoy, what's damn wrong with not having died yet? <laughs> I can give you an exact date myself, May 2011. So it's the uh, it's the date that I got got elected, and um, you know, I'm starting to become more mature, shall we say, more debonair. He just watches what yeah, he says more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll go into the episode specifics in a minute. But overall, for season ten, um, what do you think they're gonna? How do you think they're gonna react? Well, with the, I think having be the relieved. Mm. well, first, well, first of all, first of all, we've got the audience back. Yeah. Well, first, I hope that nobody brings up. Oh, where's series nine? Back to Earth is series nine. The the, the series it's nine and ten. The, the series nine and ten in Back to Earth was an in-universe thing. Series 9 is back to Earth. Series 10 is Series 10. That doesn't need to... Yay! Have, nobody needs to <laughs> go over that again. I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> People keep bringing it up as if it's this big, massive plot hole with the show or something. Or the, the, some missing series there. There's not. Uh, going through the Leisure Suit Larry games here, I, I can fully understand it because... The, the the writer of that series made a joke once he was never going to do a Leisure Suit Larry 4. So, but obviously Sierra, making a lot of money, said, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> and so he released Leisure Suit Larry 4 as a, as a suite of um, comical office apps. And then 5, <laughs> we went back to playing games again. I just want to mention at this point, um, Anthony James, um, and I'll quote him, um, as long as you... Correct everyone who refers to it to Back to Earth as season nine, I'll be happy. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> production wise it production wise it is series nine. Yep. But Netflix thinks so. It, hmm. in order for it to be for me though, in order for it to be a proper series it has to have at least six episodes. It's a mini series. What, what about I mean, Sherlock? I mean you refer to Sherlock series three coming up and there's there's only been six episodes so far, three per series. A series is just a collection of episodes. It doesn't matter how many they are. I, I suppose, say. but when you when you do when you look at Red Dwarf, though, whenever you see anyone talking about it, they'll talk about series one, series two, etc. Series eight, Back to Earth, series ten. That's well, that's generally I see. I won't see people typing. I don't see people saying series nine because they just put BTE. Well, but Sherlock too is like three movies in each series. You've got ninety-minute episodes, so it's slightly different, I guess. Maybe. 
I do wonder how much it was as, as well. You know, when they come into the first proper, well, you know, I guess the first proper Dave series, and they they couldn't really re- resist the marketing um, opportunity to have just Red Dwarf X. I guess you know, as a big push, like Red Dwarf X, kind of almost seems like a cleaner sort of reboot point than calling it Nine or whatever. But, but, um, it would have created its own problems calling the series Nine because then people would have said. Okay, so Back to Earth is going to be after this, and it just would have created idiotic problems which we don't need. Series yeah. Nine is Back to Earth, and that solves any problems. That's well, it's it's the series that they talk about is set after blah blah blah. It's it has to be Series Nine because I suppose it has to be. Yeah, it has to be because. On the back of the DVD case and in the show itself, they say Back to Earth takes place after series 10. It's like, well. I'm I'm curious to see what Heath and Angela are going to think about the series before they get to the end of it and it's explained to them how much of it Doug had to rewrite on the fly, what they're going to think of the quality of it before they find that out. I think you can tell with Dear Dave. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Entangled. No, not that. And you would be able to tell with the beginning if most of that wasn't taken from a script that's been written for 15 years, I think. Incidentally, I thought was very good. So. Oh, the beginning is yeah, excellent. I mean, I guess the 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 stuff that they got from the movie script is is what is what really holds that episode up. I would say. I agree. Yeah. I mentioned um... I mentioned on the only the good intro cast that. My least favorite moment of Red Dwarf. Remember we mentioned that, Shane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's in Dear Dave. And it's the bit where Craig Charles kind of gets out of his seat in the drive room and it hits the back of the set. And then the audience applauds. The audience applauds him getting out of his seat and hitting the back wall with it. I don't remember that. <laughs> Me neither. Oh. It's the worst <laughs> moment in Red Dwarf history. It's in the scene with the, it's in the scene with um with moves move it's in that scene. Oh. Okay, so it's the the end of a, a big two hander scene, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't remember Clarence applause. Yeah, me neither. Well, it, it, it was just like a big audience laugh when he hit the chair at the, and it was just like there. Why are they laughing at that? I think that might have been. It might have been like a third or fourth take. And. Yeah, it might it might it might be one of those cases where it was just it was taking so long, and and um, Craig had stood up a few times and not done that, and then on the last one in a sort of fit of triumphant, yes, the scene is done, he smashed it into the back of the set. So it might have been a weird sort of meta laugh on the night that was just left in. I don't know. I mean, Craig Charles could have developed his own complaint to that scene too, because um, Rimmer's sexual experience is basically. Essentially a rape. We're talking about someone <laughs> who was unconscious virtually. Um, followed by pity sex. And I'm sorry, that's what, that's what hollow ship was. That was pity sex. Well, yeah, he moves moved. So he went from rape to pity sex. I'm going to go into the episode, uh, episode Pacific things now. Um, first time we meet Howard. Well, the only time we meet Howard. Howard. Mark Dexter is one of the best guest stars on that show mm. ever. 
yeah, brilliantly played. My problems with it aren't, and and no, nothing to do with the way he played that character. That was brilliant. Yeah, they seem to be brilliant at casting Rimmers in general. <laughs> like in the beginning as well. Um, oh, Philip. But he is absolutely spot on. Philip yeah. Laby, yes. Yeah. Or just the, the family in general. <clears throat> well, I read somewhere that um, Philip Levy was cast like the day before his agent called him and said, do you want to do this? And that's supposedly how that happened. So he had almost... That sounds like the sort of organization we're used to. With no lead time and maybe just a conversation with Chris Berry, you know, here you go. I mean, it was an incredibly rushed episode. So, it's understandable. The thing is, though, with that one compared to probably the, the two before, it doesn't really show that much that it was rushed. No. I think, anyway. No. Well, it's generally thought of as the best episode of Series 10. Followed but actually, yeah, going back to Trojan, um, Trojan's quite high up there as well. I was, I was, I keep flipping between the two, really. But I felt like I think Mark Dexter is a big part of that, and I really wish he was in the episode more. Mm. He's only in yeah. it for half. Yeah. And... I really felt like Trojan was a good introduction to the series if someone had not seen prior series, but maybe they just knew a little bit about Red Dwarf. Yeah, possibly. It wasn't kind of on the level of Sirens, which was that was a full on reintroduction of all the characters. Because yeah. Trojan was quite set on Rimmer. And kind of Lister actually is barely, barely a factor in it. He was on the phone for most of the time. And but uh, yeah, you're right. It really, it really does. It gives a really good introduction or reintroduction to Rimmer's character, and then gives it a hefty dose of um, advancement as well, which is not something you often see. And one of the best jokes of any Red Dwarf series ever. <laughs> well, is it is it is it the moose or the hat? <laughs> The hat. I love the moose. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you saw that coming from pretty much word one of the setup of that joke, Danny's yeah. it was still a slayer delivery on that line. Mm-hmm. It took me three, four minutes to stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember rightly that was one take as well. They, they, they did really well with that with that scene. That's amazing. It's just how that sort of how they just got that sort of timing the first time in the in front of the audience for uh, how many years? Twelve, thirteen years at that point. It was yeah. just they just hit their marks perfectly. Yeah. They hadn't, except for Danny John Jules, they hadn't really been doing the live acting rounds either. They'd been mostly all um, on film. Danny was the only That's one. True. I mean, I guess Craig. Um, oh yeah. Um, well, like um, filming in front of an audience. You mean, I, like I just performing audience. in front of an audience. Most of them had been doing yeah. studio shows rather than. Whereas Danny still kept his hand in the theatre a little bit. Uh, true. Yeah. And he's definitely the most improved from Back to Earth. I would say as well, Danny. Yeah. Much much better than he was in Back to Earth. Hmm. He'd done series one of Death in Paradise in between, hadn't he? Yeah, it must have been because yes, yeah. they've just filmed series three, I think. So, yeah, it must have been. 
And that's one thing I've never watched, actually, to be honest. I've seen the first series. Mm. It's okay. Um, may I say, I know you haven't moved that episode yet, but just since you're on the whole series now, one of the things okay. that stands out to me when I when when I watch it, that one of the things that stands out that I think of Heath and Angela is the father-son conversation in Fathers and Sons. That I think they're really going to be impressed by that. Oh, fantastic. It is. Yeah. Not just the acting, but also the way it was written, the, ex- the how Doug came up with it. That was going to be my next um, thing, actually, to be honest with you. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on to Fathers and Sons, and we have we have uh, Pui and not Holly. Yeah. Are they going to be throwing the TV across the room? Do you think? Well, no, they're going to be. I think th- they're going to be Sorry. throwing. <laughs> they're going to be throwing their TV over the room because they're going to be saying that Taiwan Tony is racist, and that will take oh. up an hour. <laughs> That will take up an hour of the podcast. I promise you, you it, it will. It's taken up many hours of many podcasts already, you that one. it will, but they have not reacted to things, some things that I thought they would react to in the way they would react to them. So you never know. I think, have, we've I, already, I think we have already established that the JMC is slightly racist already, though. <laughs> um, because other than this, I don't think there was a single... I don't think we've seen a single black or... Uh, we haven't seen anyone who isn't white aboard Red Dwarf. Other, well, yeah, other than Lister. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, they, they wow, we've have... blown the lid off that one. <laughs> <laughs> they might, they might have just called him Taiwan Tony because oh, he's he's selling Taiwanese food. Like it might be in like in the Red Dwarf nozzles where uh, novels where um, the Agonoids are all given stupid names like Made in Taiwan and stuff like that. It might just be a case of they called him Taiwan Tony because he does Thai- Taiwanese food and they thought it would be funny to give him a horrible accent. Though that novel wasn't written by Doug Baylor. That was written by Rob Grant. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I always I always thought that the, the there's a few ideas... Oh, God, we're going novels now. But very quickly, a few ideas in backwards, like the, the Agonoids, which sounded very much like the Homo Sapienoids in the in the movie pitch that was released yeah. a few years later. Yeah. Oh, we'll be talking about the novels in a, in a, yeah. in a while. <laughs> but with Taiwan, Tony, even those of us who saying, look, get over it, it's just, it's just random jabs. It's not really having a go at people. Even those of us do it, doing that were Taiwan Tony were like, yeah, I'm not defending this one. So. <laughs> I think there's one thing that isn't in doubt in that the, the intention from the show wasn't racist. It's yeah. just a discussion about how, how it was executed. So it's possible that Hit and Angela will probably recognize the fact that, I mean, you know, the joke is that a discussion about Chinese whispers turns into a Chinese whisper itself. And yeah, it's cool. it's the ridiculousness really of asking a racial stereotype it's, about racial stereotypes. It's, it's very family guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as in Well, two, I mean... It, <laughs> well, in the sense that the level of humour is a two-by-four to the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's you have a stereotype coming from something that is supposed to be laughable anyway. And ridiculous. Yeah. So. It was yeah. Rimmer who brought it up, so... Yes. Well, actually, I actually have Maybe. seen somebody say this week that Chinese whispers is racist and you shouldn't say it, so... Well... <laughs> well, the whole premise of the joke doesn't work for me anyway, because machine intelligences don't work that way. A machine intelligence either remembers something or it doesn't. It's as simple as that. Yeah. 
But if it doesn't hear it properly, it might analyse it in the wrong way. Could do. But the other, the other point with that is, is um, there's actually no evidence that that, that entire... Th- that that game only really works in literate cultures, as far as the evidence goes. There's no evidence that illiterate cultures can't pass on messages almost perfectly, because they have the practice Maybe the of having vending machines have part organic brains as well. well Maybe. You know, <laughs> you know, until this episode, I had never heard that term applied to it. We always called it telephone back in school. Yeah, I've heard it called that before as well. Maybe it's an American thing. I don't know. It's probably an American thing. I mean, America is the country that stopped the Fat Controller being called the Fat Controller, so anything's possible. Mm-hmm. True. The problem, the, well, I mean, structurally as well, I think that a whole plot line does drag the whole episode down. Because, I mean, in, in, in series past, you would have a big idea that would be the centre of the episode. And you wouldn't have a B-plot or a C-plot or anything like that that's just pretty much disconnected from the main plot until maybe right at the end. And it's only now in Series 10 that it, it, you know, you, you would, you'd get that. And with you've kind of already got an A and a B-plot with Pre and the Father's Day stuff, and that ties together really nicely. And this just feels like a big dead weight that just kind of drags the whole thing down a bit. Yeah, that's a good point. And then you've got a comparison issue in terms of, okay, so doing something that might get the entire crew killed through a virus or through a manipulation of wiring gets you stasis, but simply resigning gets you spaced. Yeah, yeah. that was a big plot hole, because surely it would have been a case of, we're going to drop you off at the nearest habitable planetoid or something like that, not yep. get out. I think Series 10 really made me appreciate the ameliorating effect, I think I'm using the right word, that Holly had in translating between JMC and what the crew wanted. In other words, the way JMC is run, Queeg was better than that, was more humane to him. Yeah. That's a good point. There's this, yeah, there's uh, this JMC on board computer, which which is running absolutely to the letter of every law and making decisions based on that and yeah holly was that interface between that and actual you know <laughs> the actual people on the ship and yeah soon as soon as he or she is gone yeah those hard and fast rules just suddenly become whereas pre awful, yeah really. and pre is like you know pre is almost exactly like jmc i mean i like pre i like the actress and i like the character but pre is very non-holly and i wonder if she was around for three million years if she would develop the same way or if that was a thing Holly had and I think, from the beginning. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Shane said said earlier on, what do you think Heath, Heath and Angela think of Pre? And I don't think we answered that. But I think they'll, they'll be pleased that there's a, a strong, well-written female character all yeah. of a sudden. Possibly not pleased that she disappears again very, very soon after. Um, but I, I think they'll be fairly comfortable, fairly pleased with that. Yeah, that, that part I'll go along with. Any any problems I have with this episode have absolutely nothing to do with the actress playing Pre. She was mm. she did very well. Excellent yeah. work. Yeah. Especially since we know that the acting team is from things Chloe has said is a tiny bit of a boy club and you have to force your way in a little bit to the to the culture of the place. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. And I think she showed that she did that. She is, uh, I met the actress at Dimension Jump, and she is, like, very different. I mean, you would expect she's different from Pre, but, like, her speech patterns, I mean, she's just very normal and everything. And, you know, trying to do that regimented quick speech, she she was just talking about how how much, how difficult it was and how much of a challenge it was to do it. Um, we're going to move on to Lemons, which I think might be a controversial episode. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Well, it can and it can't. They might be, it might, the only way it could be controversial, the same way that Life of Brian is like, oh, he's Jesus. He's obviously Jesus. Well, he's called Jesus, but it's not the Jesus because the actual Jesus is later on in the episode <laughs> and is portrayed completely respectfully. Yeah, I still remember three years of Anglican bishops tearing into that on, t- on different BBC shows. It took three years for Monty Python to bury the controversy from that movie. Which was absolutely Even though they s- anyway. Yeah, because they, they went out of their way to point out it's not Jesus by shifting the stories in drastic ways in several times. Shortly, I've never stopped the church from being offended before, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after Lemons aired, I saw a comment online that said, A friend told me what happened in this episode, and I will no longer be watching Red Dwarf again. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, that friend didn't communicate it very well. That, that's, that's not the most offensive thing that's ever happened on Red Dwarf. No, not even close. <laughs> if you were watching After Back in the Red, and you could still handle it, and this offended you... Uh... And also, Lister's comments about Christianity are rather kind as previous ones he's made. Yeah. It's true. I mean, the, the, I mean, Heath and Angela have not liked, maybe there's been some throwaway and possibly flippant and not very well explained sort of digs at, at, at Christianity in the show in the past. And I don't think this, I don't think Lemons qualifies for that. I think there's there's a bit more thought put into it. Um and I, I, a good friend of mine who's, who's not particularly a Red Dwarf fan, but I know that he hasn't and will not watch Life of Brian, um, watched Lemons, and it was his favourite favorite one of the series. He said he, he found absolutely nothing wrong with it. So there's that as well. I mean, I, I can't pretend to understand that point of view, well, I but think it, I think that's what I'm going on. Maybe it helps that Jesus isn't really Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to read out a tweet now that I sent to um, at Gennaby Toten when you when oh, Gennaby and Toten, yes, exactly, uh, when they did their live uh, Dwarfcast instant reaction um, <laughs> podcast on lemons, which those lovely people didn't read out. No, <laughs> did we not? <laughs> well, <laughs> so I'm reading it out now. So ha, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have read it out if I'd seen it. We we we, we yeah, we were flooded with them. I think. Uh, I think this is. I think this was the weakest of the weakest show of the three so far. Maybe it was because I had a, just had a twelve-hour day, but I did not like it at all. Uh, yeah, I on so, first watching, I didn't really enjoy it, but I have found that after going back to it and watching the DVDs, it is one of the one of my favorite episodes from the series. I mean, I, I didn't really like it that much on the first hearing either, and um, I, I still kind of go back and forth at the moment. Um, I like it a bit more now, but um, 
and I can't... It bugs me because I can't really tell you why I don't like it. It's not that I find it offensive or anything like that, but... Um, there's part of me that even prefers Dear Dave over Lemons, and... Um, <laughs> you are. Dear Dave. You are sick. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know, but I have to get it out there. So Shane, was, what, was it just because you'd had a 12-hour day after re- a reappraisal, or do you still not like it much? Uh, I I still think it's one of the weakest episodes of the season. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's the favourite of, of quite a lot of people. I know. Well, of most people on GNT, I think, um, and the staff anyway. They, they they all seem to like it, and I, yeah, never quite got how much people loved it. I, I do like it, and I think it's because it's quite atypical. You know, it's all mm. off ship. Mm. Um. So quite, and also it relies heavily on James Baxter, and I don't think he pulls it off at all. Mm. But the, the guy playing Jesus of Caesarea, I don't. There's yeah. a bit bit weak, and I don't think that's the actor's fault really, so much as it's it's probably a it's probably a gig that's going to make any actor pretty nervous because they know that they they're probably going to get criticised for it no matter how well they do. Yeah. By some segments of the population. I'm going to um, hand on heart here. I haven't actually watched uh, rewatched Lemons yet, and so I haven't seen it in about six months. So when so when we actually get around to watching it um, for the review, it'll be I'm going to find it quite interesting whether I still dislike it, or whether when we get around to rewatching it, I will actually like it this time around. Well, I think with I most. Feel like... Sorry, sorry, go on. I think with most of the series, Heath and Angela will benefit from the fact that. They don't hear anything about the episodes beforehand. Because, you know, we'd heard Rimmer's brother is in episode one. We all knew that. Yeah. And that built the episode up. And it met those expectations. And, you know, we heard that Jesus is in this one. And that kind of meant we went into it with a, a, a different perspective. And before Dear Dave, some people in the production team were saying it's the best episode. And I was thinking, and once the episode ended, I thought, you are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I remember UK TV was their favourite as well apparently mm-hmm. I think that was mentioned in the documentary mm-hmm. it, is, it seems to be absolutely almost everyone's favourite and I don't understand it either I, I go back and forth between Trojan and the beginning I like Lemons I'd say it falls about number three um, the one that is the weakest for me is Entangled because it just does not hang together as well as the other five yeah just my opinion yeah well, lemons for me is a two as a two boat race because if I can turn my brain off, I do enjoy it. But as anyone who's ever gotten to a history discussion with me on the net knows, I'm pretty anal about history and and um, Crichton's monologue about the history just really peeved me. Yeah, <laughs> nearly gave you a cow call there, Shane. I mean, it, yeah, bugs were invented way earlier than that. <laughs> well, actually, um. At this point in history, if they'd just gone to Iraq, they could have had access to batteries. <laughs> yeah, the citrus in the jars. Because oh. it's um, we we've always there's still controversial whether those jars found in in Iraq are actually batteries or not. But the reason a lot of people accept it is because it fits something. Gold and silver can only be um, melt together using electricity, even in today's technology. And we know they had gold and silver jewellery. Mm-hmm. Oh. So when we find something that can be used as a battery, then, I mean, correlation yeah. isn't, isn't causation, but if you haven't, have no better explanation. 
Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, obviously, Crichton, Crichton deleted all information about Iraq when he was cleaning his database <laughs> in Tika Tarad. <laughs> well, like how to how to behave around women as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't know how to iron a bra, did he? So he cleared that from his cache files as well. Yeah. There's an explanation for anything in Red Dwarf. <laughs> because there has to be. Although I did like the the basic idea of the lemons and the thi- and the the copper nails because that is someone who actually paid attention in science in school, and I like that because the other thing I'm no. about is science. That's someone who uh, tweeted actually. That's my friend. The time he was right. That it. is my friend. <laughs> my friend did that. Oh, of course. Metal Cat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned yes. that on, uh, on the Dimension Jump Talk. It's so exciting because he mentions her in the documentary for Tin by name. So yeah, sorry. That's... <laughs> so that's Doug, Doug's research is Twitter, and he was he was really brazen about it as well. And I don't think anyone picked up on it at the time. He even said the name of the episode, I think. Yeah. Or or some. Well, he, maybe that was a bit later on. But yeah, <laughs> needs to keep an eye on him. <laughs> Shall we move on to Entangled? Yeah. Yeah. We should have said yeah at the same time there. That would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I do that? How are we doing that? It was very Steve Urkel in some parts, wasn't it? That Did I do that sort of thing? <laughs> at least there was no mention of cheese. Let me ju- Sorry. <laughs> Let me just say right at the top of the... Right at the top before we do anything else. S- Sydney Stevenson is incredibly cute. Is all I'm saying. Oh, the the yes, lady I playing think. the scientist, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't yeah, think there's we'll... any argument. Nope, not at all. <laughs> and I've already been told no off for this for this comment on G and T website, but I actually think that she did look close enough to the younger actress playing the girl sitting next next to Rimmer in the next episode or in the, the last episode that they Ooh. could have fed that that she was keen on him because she remembered him and obviously the girl in class liked him too because she was trying to help him and felt sorry for him. Now, I'm not saying romantically like, but she at least didn't hate him. I think for, in order for that to work, it would um, there would need to have been more than about maybe a week's planning. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, a week. Because I think her, Sydney Stevenson's part was, it was part of that last ten minutes which was just... I was going to say a week, you're being generous. together out of string. I think I might be actually, yeah. Um, it's a real shame because I, I, I do really like Entangled up to a point, and that point is um, when the chimp turns into um, uh, Irene. It's it all goes a bit wrong for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Have you got a pen? <laughs> yeah. It's a shame that it has to be fed by just. The weird random death of a perfectly innocent person. Yeah. But... <laughs> it was just, he was part. nice, but just very stupid. Oh, she's got to die. Yeah. So I'm wondering, Jonathan, if part of that's the number of times you've had to answer people with look, look, just get over it over the light beam. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, he was in projection mode. That was. I, yes. I love that. I love the detail of just. Um, I mean, it's always been a. Um, a weird production thing in series six 
that I think it was a, um, a continuity thing in Legion when he changed from soft light to hard light, his tunic colour changed. Yeah, he wore the wrong outfit in front of the audience. He wrote, well, yeah, and so they, they wrote that in to, to this, even though it was kind of a weird purpley colour, but still, you got the idea, and I like, I like that. I think, it was, I think it was supposed to be red, but it's just the fact that they couldn't make it look red because the blue is so vivid. That might yeah. that might be the only reason. My only pro- it, I, it, di- I didn't care about the colors. My only problem with that is where the hell did the light be go through the wall? I I'm still. Well, no, it was in projection well, mode, so it was on the floor yeah. got a, and projecting yeah, through. Lie. I think it was in series <laughs> six. I think it's an em- in in uh, might be Rimmer World actually, where says bring well, it says to Rimmer bring your hologram hologrammatic projection belt or something like that. So there isn't any reason why they can't project Rimmer through the wall and then... Well, what I was really annoyed about is where was his hologram projection cage? Because that was established. <laughs> 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 Boy, we're really going back in history here. <laughs> We've always said it, Red Dwarf has a good continuity. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Within each episode. Yes! <laughs> I, well, has, I, I, have, I have always postulated that each successive episode of Red Dwarf takes place in a slightly parallel universe to the one before. <laughs> Yeah. Now, just to go a little zen for a moment, their continuity is great at not really observing continuity. Yeah. They, are, they are consistent in that regard, yeah. <laughs> Anything on it more entangled before me, Roger, there, Dave? Um, I found, even though I love the Begs and I actually adore the guy who played the Chief Beg, can't think of his name at the moment, I can't Steve, bring any actor's name. Steve Wickham. That's it. Um, yeah, even though I really like that actor, the scene still annoyed me. I, I can't put my finger on why, it's just something about it really irritates me. Steve Wickham, of course, being the same person who played this this girl for Pride. Yes. Yeah. Before we move on, actually... Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Start, you can tell that the models aren't being flown by wire anymore. It just looked... Starbug flying in that episode... It just looked. It, there was something about it that just didn't seem quite right to me, and I think it's because well, Star, Starbuck was in how they fly them now. Starbuck was in Trojan. It was Blue Midges here. No, that no. Uh, no, Starbuck. Starbuck was in it, but it was only down on the planet. It was. It was just an, an image of uh, Starbuck. All oh, right. The only actual space shots oh, yeah. of Starbuck are in Trojan, and it's hit and miss. Some of the shots look quite good, yeah. but some of them just look very flat. Yeah. yeah. I think you're, you're right, Sam. It's the, it's the use of the, the, the green screen suit and just, yeah, just moving them by hand. is just It makes such a huge difference and I think it's one of the areas that they... It was great that they got the models back, but if there seems to be a, a lack of expertise in the DOP department there that just... Just yeah, knowing that you, you you need to rig them up on wires because you get a smoother, more natural movement, just little things like that. But I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, the stuff in the beginning is um, some of that stuff is really good. It's just yeah. Well, that was when yeah. they they got some different people in. Well, the, I think uh, the scenes with well for the making, but not the shooting. I don't think the shooting was all all done by um, a mate of Doug Naylor's, I think, or a mate of Richard Naylor's, and I forget his name. He's on the documentary. But he basically read a book about <laughs> model shooting and and went ahead when really there was you know there are people that have got decades of experience and have worked on Red Dwarf already before as well. 
Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Pete Tyler. Yeah. They should have just got him to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's mitigating circumstances, but it's, it's frustrating that models came back and just they didn't quite go that extra mile. They, they, they managed to botch that. Like, quite a few things really were botched or just, you know, rushed through and this series. So hopefully they, they, they do that a little bit better in eleven. But yeah, I'm hoping he gets a bit of a budget jump for eleven too. Mm. Well, it yeah. says. Um, um, economy of scale because presumably they'll have the set and they'll have a lot of models as well so hopefully it'd be like series 2 really well they they know. don't actually own the Starbug model not anymore no they yeah, don't tomorrow, didn't they <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's with uh, Mike Tucker and the model unit and um but yeah but they have got Blue Midget I believe they, 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 they own Blue Midget yeah. so they can just yeah. use that that was that, from guess, the, but... the remastered yeah, I will say the battle scene in the, the beginning was very well done for how they did it. Yeah, I mean it yeah. looks big budget, even though you know there's totally people holding everything up. Once they so. brought in the experts to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was listening. You could, you could tell. I was listening to um, I think it's called Geek Apocalypse podcast and. Um, they recorded a podcast at the latest Dimension Jump, and they did interviews with some of the uh, cast. And um, uh, the last interview they did was with Bill Pearson and uh, Steve Howarth, I think his name is. And um, I actually listened to this last night, and he mentioned, um, I think he said he was slightly annoyed or confused as to why they didn't ask him back in the first place for ten. And yeah, that did sort of get just given him a box. They could have just given him a box of wine, and I'm sure he'll have done. Yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't Doug's decision not to bring these people in. It, uh, it was Dave's decision. And, yeah. Ah, I see. And that messed everything up, and Doug had to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Well, move on to dear Dave now. Boo. I quite like this episode. I'll stand up for it. Yeah, it it's alright. It was it was very much old school Red Dwarf. It was completely set aboard the ship. It was completely character driven comedy. Right. And I mean Cat walking around weirdly because he hasn't been able to wipe himself. That was weird, but there, there <laughs> are some there are some good there are good some some good ideas and some great moments in this episode. Yeah. The big shame I found with this this episode is that there was two quite big two-hander scenes with um, um, Rimmer and Lister that were recorded on the night. That just when when the whole structure changed and they they cut out a lot of the letter stuff, oh, bet- just got removed, and there was quite a lot of good stuff in there. About the yeah. old sperm and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was all on the DVD. You can that see you can see it there, and it's um, clearly just been cut back because there wasn't. Um, I don't know, maybe it just got to the point where it's just there's not half an hour here, so he had to cut some of that back to insert new stuff, and, and yeah, the, the the green screen stuff is just bizarre. The original... The, um... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go on. Well, go on. well, the original intention of the episode was that it was just going to be a, type of, a kind of marooned two-hander between... Rimmer and Lister, but then Richard Naylor said that you can't do that, you shouldn't do that. Just like he did with Only the Good. When he was much, much younger, he said, that ending's rubbish, don't have that ending. And we got 
the Grim Reaper arriving. And here he said, don't do that, that's rubbish. And we ended up with Dear Dave. I'm kind of imagining a, 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 and it's completely imaginary, this never happened in real world listeners, it's just me making it up on the spot. But um, a scene where Doug Naylor goes into the office of the production manager of the station and says, I think I need to do a two-parter with this one, and then swallowed immediately by the, the station manager, cocking his gun and saying, what did you say? I watched series eight. <laughs> Considering some of the awful edits on all episodes of Red Dwarf and Dave, I don't think anybody at the Dave offices have seen those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They still always show remastered Maroon <laughs> on Dave. Do they really? Not, not yet. No, nothing else in series one, two, or three is remastered, but remastered Marooned every single time. You know, I, I have. I, I think the worst one is possibly um, Beyond a Joke, where they completely miss out Abel turning. So basically, what they do is Lister transport them back to the ship, and then they're running away, and Abel sacrifices himself for no good reason. That is one of the worst edits Dave's have done, I think. Have, well, have, it would have been UK G2, not Dave. Has there, been a, has there been a second remaster on Series 1? Because, I, I'm sorry if I'm off topic, but you mentioned remastering and, and then Series 1, 2, and 3. And I was re-watching The End on Netflix last night. I had not watched it in a while. And it was not the original, original, like with the See You Later Alligator. The song was different. But they had taken out the inexplicable scudders and extra people in the funeral scene, and it seemed like it had a lot had some of the older footage still in it, and it still had the original opening score, the operatic score, all the way through. I presume. Yeah, that's the original that's version. But with it's cli- but it's not music cha- change for clearance reasons. Yeah, but they've changed the music, and there were a couple of other small things. And I told my friend, I said, I think this is almost like a second remastering. It's not the original, but it's not the remastered. It's kind of weird. I wonder if they was it still the original just- ship. Yes. It's, I think it's just a music change. I think it's it, it just music that change. one. Yeah, I felt like there were a couple of others. I was wondering if they've accidentally put the, the um, original assembly on Netflix. No, I don't, no, think, it's it, not, I don't no. think it's... I don't think it was that long. Okay. I, it was just, like I say, there were a couple of little things. That I can't remember them right now, but they jumped out at the time. Because I've seen it enough times, and it's like, well, this is a little bit different. But, okay. Sorry. Yeah, they might have had some weird edits in there as well. Didn't mean to wander off the path there. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure because I've only got my DVDs and my naughty download because I don't want to waste my DVDs when I'm just watching <laughs> it casually. <laughs> Grant Nala Productions, I do own original sets and under Australian law I'm allowed to have one copy of any digital media I own. <laughs> just to clear that up. Well, Doug's extensive legal team will be after you, I'm sure. (laughs) They listen very closely. (laughs) Hi, Sam, how are you doing? (laughs) 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 Well, uh, we'll just go to the the beginning. So we don't want to discuss the last line of Dear Dave. Um, I will... I'll bring I'm that just up. I'm trying to avoid it, but go ahead. <laughs> I'll go on to it. I fully understand why people find it offensive, but in the context of the moment, I do think it is realistic. Hmm. I think in the context of the character, it's incredibly unrealistic. 
I don't think it's something. I don't think it's an attitude Lister would have, and that is the main thing that I mean. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to get offended by any word being used on anything, but the. I don't think Lister would have anything approaching that attitude, especially considering the heartfelt speech he just had. Doesn't he call the computer sprite in the 1940s AR a tramp? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a. I, I feel like there's I kind thought, of a fine no. line between tramp and slag. I there's thought, a quite a thick line between an AR machine and a potential mother of his child. Well, it's I not potential. He is acting an AR machine. It's him. It's it's his dialogue. It's not mm. like something taking his brain over. Sorry, mm. Sam, you were saying? I thought that he called uh, the AR machine sprite trash, not a tramp. said, you're trash, aren't you? Rather than you're a tramp. Well, if you're a woman, there's I a fine think. line between those two, too. <laughs> I gotta tell you, just speaking from a position of expert authority. <laughs> of being female, oh. that is. Not, not the other. <laughs> and I will claim we've seen Lister be vindictive before as well, so... Yeah. It's in but the I, heat of the moment. But I think and you're right on trash. I think that is accurate, actually. There's one word checking, and that's the script, which I've just got in front of me. <laughs> and while we wait for official verification... Although, to be <laughs> fair, I will throw in, too, that he knows he's talking to a computer generation in there, too, so... It's true. Yeah. Plus, he, he has... Well, that. yeah, he's talking about a woman who's died three million years ago, who isn't hearing what he's saying, so... The, the emotions of the moment are not necessarily reflective of the person's own beliefs, core beliefs. Rosie, do you have All of us can be taken this? by emotion. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm an extremely controlled person, very... I mean, some of the people that know me in real life even make a Vulcan-like comment about <laughs> me. But, yeah, only a, two weeks ago I came within very close margin of punching out a teacher, so... In the moment... I think it's it's less about the actual word and what context uh, what context you believe it has, and more that it's out of out of character for Lister. It's just it, it's not something you'd associate with him necessarily. I think trash. Yeah, he may go that far, but yeah, I I don't know. I I just think it's just nothing that we've experienced from him as a character. Well, he has, he has said it before. Just, he has said it in Polymorph, but that was in a different oh, context. On, <laughs> I, I just think he was just saying it because he was frustrated. Like, he said, mm. yeah, I could be this kid's father. It's like, what a slag. It's like, it's just it's just him voicing his disappointment more than anything else. It's like, what a slag. That could have been mine. How, and it was trash, by the way. How frequently is hey. the word slag used in English? Because it's not used much here at all. I, th- I would I, say it's it's probably it's probably used a fair amount, but it's just the it, it's it's used quite with quite a lot of heat as well. I would say it's quite. I mean, a, you'll run into a I lot of Americans who don't even know it. what it means. So, but you just think in that context, he would have picked a different word in it. Yeah, I can just see knowing that. his character. I, I can agree. And they did well, do yeah. an, they did do an alternate version, didn't they, where he said trollop, which I thought was. Um, in a way, slightly more out of character for Lister to yeah, say. Yeah, that would have been awful. Yeah, and doesn't and wouldn't fit the context of the situation because Trollope implies a, a level of stupidity. 
Well, there's nothing to display that. And we are in the end talking about a girlfriend who is being unfaithful. Now, I'm probably on her side in being unfaithful because she was with a guy who thought shopping trolley attendant was the height of his career. So she, there's no there's no real reason why she wouldn't be looking for a better alternative. Yeah. And the manager of the store is obviously a better alternative. But, um, you well, know, it's I... just I think it's a heat in the moment. Well, yeah, if if she if she's basing who she wants to be with on what his career is, maybe. But uh, you know, I think that's too deep into psychology for a podcast. Probably yeah. I shouldn't have went there. <laughs> if you edit that, Shane, I'll understand. I think That's it's fine. yeah. Every, everyone has their everyone has strong ideas about these characters and maybe what they would wouldn't wouldn't say. Uh, I do think yeah, this one just seems to have hit a particular nerve. Um, well, now what seems out of what seems almost out of character to me is that Lister would not have figured out that she had something going on with someone else when the cat can figure it out. Yeah, I mean yeah. That seems kind of odd. Especially since... They used his intuition thing a couple of times this series. They used his intuition to have a heart-to-heart with Rimmer in the beginning as well. And it's, it's, yeah, it's an odd extra power to oh, give him. Oh, he's batting at the string. That was the best juxtaposition. Well, well <laughs> yeah. to be fair, in series six, they just suddenly invent that he can smell really far away. So Yeah, through space. <laughs> and then in series seven well, they retract that. And and while we're we're mentioning the cat seeing it, I love Daddy's monologue there. That was hilarious. That whole just stop thinking about it monologue was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But 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 was was that was that any different to the scene in Nanarchy where he's talking about the three legged pit bull? Well, that's what I love about it. It's a, it's it's actually a really good callback, in my opinion. It's always it it's always really funny when the cat is giving advice and is actually right. <laughs> yeah. that, those scenes are ju- just great because it's not the something you should be getting from cat, but he hits the nail on the head. Well, out of the mouths of fools and right babes. Twice. A stop clock is right twice a day, so. Exactly. It's the most accurate <laughs> clock in the world most of the time. Twice in my lifetime? Well, when you have, you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, um, let's go to the beginning now. <laughs> well, that, and no, Chris, we're on the last and, episode. Um, if you get that, because yeah. it's called the beginning. Get that. That was a little joke. Oh, now yeah. I get it. <laughs> yes. Well, you... I wanted to say, for people who haven't read the comment, um, back on October 6th, so just over a month ago, Heath Ninja asked me if the last episode of Season 10 was called The Beginning. Yeah. I don't think that's a big stretch. I think that is kind of a logical thing, personally. And I do think... I think they definitely pick it up. Yeah. And I think it's, I do think Doug was this time realising that, okay, this might be my last chance, I better give a clear resolution point here. So I think that was at least in his mind in some way. Yeah. It's just a shame that the episode title doesn't really have any relation to the episode. It's used because it, it was a nice bit of marketing and 
and you know fans are going to realize its significance but it doesn't particularly refer to anything actually it could, well, it could refer to the beginning of rimmer thinking of himself in a different way hmm. well, yeah yeah he's right on has changed it's very difficult now. to try and it's very difficult to try and think up a, a name for this episode though that's yeah, true. Well, it does problems. have my favourite um, guest character in it. Hoagie? Yep. <laughs> or Tuesday. Has to be. <laughs> it's just full of great guest characters. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and oh. ham to the maximum in a, in, in a situation where hamming was perfectly appropriate. <laughs> my only problem with the um, other simulants, not Hoagie the Rogie, but the other simulants, my only problem with them was the makeup, the circuit bolt on the forehead. It's like they they looked more yeah. strange in Series 6 when they just had double eyebrows and looked sinister. If yeah. they'd gone more for that approach rather than, oh, their robots will put a circuit board on their forehead, I might have been more fond of those scenes. Yeah, you can see the budget running out in front of your eyes, really, because the, the, the set for their ship is just a load of black curtains and candles. <laughs> And it's shot very well, but it is just, yeah, there's not much of a set to be spoken of there. So it's, uh, yeah. If they oh. if they had, were those all those scenes pre-recorded? And some, there was a lot that were shot on the night, including at the end when they're talking to them over the intercom just as the missiles are coming towards them. And that was all done live. Oh, right. The two cameras on each set, which was it was really quite exciting. But um, but yeah, yeah. To, if they just redressed the Trojan set a bit and made it look slightly different, they could have. That could well, it was in the same fast. studio space. It was it was all in the same studio space as the Trojan set. Well, the problem is, so I think the problem is they'd already reused the Trojan set for lemons. So yeah, yeah that's that's why I was asking if it was pre-recorded. And then for the because begs, then, the begs oh, but, campground. Oh right. yeah. No, I mean, any pre-records well. happen the week before of that particular episode, so like each episode and, only exists within one and week. And then there's yeah. the fact that Doug was well up against it as well. And I think they lost a day. I'm not sure if it was Dear Dave or the beginning, but they lost a day because the electricity went, I believe. With the beginning, they lost um, a load of days with Robert as well because he finally had a, a, his um, reaction to the makeup had just... Uh, and the mask had... had really started to kick in and he couldn't mm. wear the mask during rehearsals at all mm. um, so there was a lot of pre-record problems for it as well so a lot more was done on the night than or maybe picked up later than you would expect I will admit though just one slight negative for a few seconds when Hoagie first appears I'm thinking they're thinking what's Luigi from Mother Mario Brothers doing in this show <laughs> <laughs> I killed my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to die. <laughs> I draw like a star in space. <laughs> but I got over it. I got over it quickly. I admit, I got oh. into the character very quickly because I did. Then I realised yeah. it was Hoagie from the old script. So I'm just sad we didn't see more of him. To be honest, I hope he does get reutilised again. Yeah, me too. It yeah, seems he- likely that they might. He could be a good recurring character. He could be. Yeah. Hokey's coming over for dinner. Hokey's the circle. and shit. Did I shoot that? 
Like, like, just uh, they take it upon themselves to rehabilitate Hoagie and try and make him fit for society. <laughs> they have a montage of uh, doing a makeover for him, <laughs> and it looks very much and like the... a shower montage in Lemons. And, uh, <laughs> and the, Same there's several attempts. There's several attempts at fixing his uh, comb over, but it's just moving from one side to the other, and then later <laughs> on in the montage, it's just back to the other side again. You know, it would make that funnier is if they're, like, using a, a picture model for that and it's Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> that episode's got to be a... You're fired. That episode's got to be a two-parter. Yeah. Doug, are you Doug Naylor, Doug Naylor, you have my permission to use that idea for an episode. Yeah, there's, uh... there's a topic on Ganymede and Titan where people come up for plots for Series 11. Yeah, I got in serious trouble on that thread for suggesting they should have Dawn French as a love interest that Lister doesn't want, and everyone was saying, "Oh, yeah, have the fat girl chase the oh, the guy." Nothing to do with it. It's because Dawn French is a absolutely comedy classic actress. Oh, yeah, I love. Yeah, she'd be great on there. <laughs> Especially if you can get Jennifer Saunders on there with her. Oh, well, actually, you know, you know who would be really good as a simulant, Rick Mail. I would, I would love to see Rick Mail in it as a simulant, but I don't know whether that, how would that work or not. <laughs> you have to give him a loose script, though, so he's got... Pro- I think Rick Mail and Adrian Edmondson are much better when they're allowed to improvise a little bit. And I think yeah. you have to give them loose scripts and loose direction and let them play with their character a bit. Um, anything else on um, the beginning? Or- well, there's the big... The young Rimmer scene at the start was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love that. It it took me right back to series four when Rimmer was hanging from Mm. his feet in the botanical gardens. Well, it explains so much. I love the effect shot at the start of the episode. Oh, I When we see the bit, when we see... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see the old old style, sort of 70s polytechnic. Yeah. On (laughs) I.O. Yeah. It explains so much too, because other things we know about his father, we can piece together that this is not an unusual occurrence. This is his, this is a day in the life of Rimmer, not a, an, an extreme example of Rimmer. And we can sort of see, that explains an element of his character. He, he panics in exams because he's been conditioned to see exams as a trap. Yeah. So, he's actually a really evil person, Rimmer's father, in every conceivable way. He was setting Rimmer up to fail. Yeah, constantly. It's just, and it's, I mean, it's the, I mean, uh, Chris Barry has always been brilliant at getting you feel pity, even when you're angry and hate him. But that really, I mean, it brought the character full circle that episode in so many ways. Yeah. All Which I is why I was. Makes, I would like. It makes a lot of sense, sense as well, though. <laughs> if you look back at previous episodes, then you look at exactly how. Rimmer's dad treats him. It all makes perfect sense. Yeah. I want to know more about the gardener now. Yeah. Don't go. <laughs> I wonder if that will come up in any future episodes at all. And I think that's where Rimmer, the beginning is. Gardening. A, well, I think that is where the beginning is a, a good title because, and as 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 um, Liz touched on it, his raise on Dantro has changed completely now. He's no longer yeah. an aristocrat having to mix with the working class. Mm. Uh, 
Well, overall, uh, Rimmer's, I think, has gone through the most changes in the in this entire season. Well, first of all, you know, he finds that his brother is not who he thinks he is. Then finds that his father's not who he thinks he is. Yeah, so these brothers yeah. are pretty much like him. It's just that they're better at playing the con. I think mm. if he could only find out his mother isn't really his mother, he'd be a really happy person. <laughs> it was actually you that was found under the, the uh, pool table that they did a switch, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Is Rimmer's dad. <laughs> I'm really interested to see where this goes because I was kind of scared at the end of this that this is a very clear resolution point for Luma's character. This really is... And I was worried that this was going to be the end of it because the stories come because the stories come full circle. Yeah. Well, I, w- I was going to ask: Do you think, well, when we get a series eleven, do you think there's going to be much change with him, or do you think they're just going to sort of still make him be a complete git and whatnot? Or he's still got to be a complete git because that's just who he is. But yeah. he's going to be less. I'm going to do this because I'm better than you. He's going to do this because I say, no, we're going to do this because I'm saying we're going to do it. He's going I, to be slightly more like Ace Rimmer in that respect, but he's still going to be a complete git. I, I think hmm. he might be even more insufferable just because before he has always had to try to measure up and not quite met the expectations because of his bloodline. Now he doesn't have that anymore, and so he's just going to say, I'm the best because I'm the best of all you working class gits. And he has actually saved all their lives this time as well. Yeah. I mean, he, he he almost did in series six, but the deleted scene saw to that. But this time he actually has saved the day. Well, he obviously did in series eight, but they won't talk about why he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favourite. <laughs> and that's my favourite cliffhanger resolution in Red Dwarf. I got forward the first time they did that. And I, laughed I think, even yeah. harder the second. I think that might drive Heath and Angela spare. Either that or they'll love it and laugh <laughs> their butts off. Probably a bit of both and say, well, so which rumour is it? <laughs> oh, we don't bloody know. <laughs> we don't really care. Yeah. No, it doesn't really matter. It, Although... it could just simply, I, you know what I think it is? I think it's simply, it's an amalgamation of the two. It's the previous rumours... Uh, memories and hologram but updated with the memories of the Rimmer who became prisoner in series 8 and I'm I'm perfectly happy with that with that really but um because I do want Rimmer from series 1 to 7 to succeed as ace but I did hear that apparently Doug said recently that it is that the Rimmer in, in back to well series 9 and 10 is actually that Rimmer I, He supposedly said that during the breakfast at Dimension Shop. Oh, is that why he said it? Okay. He might have just been saying that to to people to make them shut up so he can continue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gotta give them something for their 15 or 20 pounds, so. Yeah. (laughs) The episode does be the first time. You go. Well, I was moving on to another. Subject, so. I was just going to say it wouldn't be the first time Doug's done a little bit of a false flag either. Yeah, this is true. This episode does have the the worst special effect shot of the <laughs> entire series. 
where they oh using... the cheesy missile sequence. No, no, oh. the where they're using Hoagie's gun to go on to go <laughs> yes. attack Lower. Yeah, it's like something else of a children's TV show. And in the same episode with the battle really, shot, that just is kind of a weird. Yeah, and Hoagie arriving on the ship at the start of the episode is really well done. Like, sort of, they got the wobbly effect down quite well, and yeah. I, I did like the the sequence though. What is, you know, well, what is it? It's a wibbly wobbly gun. And then Crichton gives a long explanation when he goes, his version was clearer. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, um, any more points on the beginning? I loved it. Anyone? That's that's going to be my thing. I absolutely adored it. I think they're going like to like the beginning as well. I think they're mm. going to like it the I best. Think so. I think so. Um, well, right. As we're at the end of the season, we're actually going to take a time out and listen to this lovely advert I'm about to play, and we'll be back after these messages. In every generation, there is a podcast where one alone has watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer before. The three others must stand against the spoilers, the synopses, and the forces of DVD commentary tracks. This is Potential Cast. This is Stephanie. This is Kim. I'm Gabby. I'm Illyrio. I see sort of myself in Cordelia. I really like that light for some reason. The show does that a lot and I really like it. I love Child's explanation about Buffy is a slayer. Don't tell anyone. That's all the information you need. We do have a lot of feedback. Whether you're brand new to Buffy or you're a seasoned rewatcher, come find us at potentialcast.com. And we're back! Uh, Rosie and Jonathan have been flushed out of an airlock, so has anyone got a pen so I can fill out these safety forms? <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you see, that's, that's a reference to Dear Dave, you see. See what I did there? Oh no, yes. Entangled. I'm getting mixed, I shouldn't get mixed up with Red Dwarf. Pree's got her eye on you too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, um, I've got a little bit of feedback um, on the thread here. Uh, Ross Bruno says they're looking much better than uh, season eight. I think we all agreed on that point. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Nutty um, says, and I think this is specifically for Back to Earth, uh, I think they'll hate it. Why? Because I loved it. Granted, I didn't see it a few years ago when it was because it was hard to, f- uh, it was a hard to find series, but so getting something new was amazing. I also love the ideas of characters meeting the actors who play them. And now I'm literally just going to name the episode, and all I want f- from you guys is a simple yay or nay, um, thinking if he's an Angela will actually like the episode. If that's okay with you guys? So, we'll start with Back to Earth Part 1. Yay. 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 I, I can't give a simple answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's... You can't judge it on just episode 1. Even though I prefer to watch it as separate episodes, you can't just see episode 1 and say, I like that, or I didn't like that. So, no answer from me. Except for that really long okay. answer there. 
Okay, then uh, we'll go to Back to Worth Part 2. We already know what James is going no, to say. No, I have, a, I have an answer for this one. Okay, then. <laughs> back Nay. to Worth Part Okay. Yay, still. Yeah. Nay. 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 Okay, nay, okay. And you see, my uh, my answer is, well, you can't really just... No, it's it's yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, say, say, uh, say nay as well, actually. I, I think they might like it better than back in the red part, too. So. Oh, oh they will. I, I think so, definitely. It has to be. It's, it is I'm, a middle episode, though. That's what I'm basing that, it like, on. There's, no, there's not going to be any start or resolution to it, so... But I think yeah, there's a lot... Does... It does suffer from Back to the Future 2 syndrome. Back to the Future 2 no, is I'm the best one. I'm using Mucha. Yeah, I love Back to the Future 2 as well. Uh, but I think I, I think Back to uh, Episode 2 has a lot more comedy than other episodes, other other episodes this series. So I, I think, yay. There you go. I'm basing yeah. my logic on the same as Nucha's. Okay. I hated it, so they'll love it. Uh, back to Earth Part 3? Yay. 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 Okay, yay as well. Yay. I didn't need a long answer there. <laughs> Trojan. <laughs> yay. 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 They're going to love that. Yeah. Fathers and Sons. Yay. 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 I, uh, I don't think I can give a simple answer for this one either. Because they, okay. because they, they hated Backwards, and that's my favourite episode. They hated okay. Crazy TV, and that's one of my favourite episodes. And Fathers and Sons is one of my favourite episodes. So, actually, it maybe is, I it, is char- it is character-driven, though. Yeah. They, they like the more character-driven episodes, and there is a lot of good material. The, the detractor might be, why have they not just rebooted Holly? Mm. I think but... Taiwan Tony will be my qualifier, but yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. I, I'm going to go for Nay. I don't think they'll like it. Okay. See, the thing is, though, if uh, they've made the Taiwanese, the the Thai food dispenser speak in a Taiwanese accent, what on earth have they made the tampon machines talk like? <laughs> well, the coffee maker, obviously. <laughs> Lemons. Nay. 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 I'll go. I'll be the only yay then. No, no, no. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna go yay as well. I'll, okay. To, I will also go yay. I mean, it's My slightly... persuasive argument. <laughs> well, it kind of, um, I was going to mention before, it does kind of bother me that I don't like it because I feel like I should because it's the only episode that doesn't have any subplots. But, I, like I say, I don't know what it is. and I'm not just saying it because I'm not too fond of it, but I do have a feeling that maybe they won't like it as much as the other two, but we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, okay. I don't like it as the two before it either, but it's... It's still a good episode. Hmm. I'd, st- I'd still sooner rather watch it than anything from Series 8. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's got things that elements I'll really like. I mean, Ayoshi is, is is one of England's finest comic actors, and I think she showed that in this episode, even though she was given yeah. very little to do. I think she'll like, they'll like her. But overall, I think it's a nay. Okay, Entangled. Oh. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go nay. Nay. Uh, I'm gonna go because uh, <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. So, so, so there's yay, nay, and uh, 
because it, it could go either way. Mm. You see, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one gives complicated answers, you see. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind my record on the spoiler cast, I'm batting in negative digits at the moment, so... Okay. Uh, I haven't done mine. Um, I'm going to go and name myself, actually. Uh, Dear Dave. Yay. Yay, yep. Yay. I'm going to... James? They will love it and I will be listening going, what are you talking about? Are you talking about a different episode? I'm going to go yay as well and last but not least, the beginning. Huge yay. Yay. Yep. Yay. Yay! yay. <laughs> Muppet flailing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's I, saw my I might be in the minority. I may well be in the minority, but I think the beginning is season one to six quality. I think it's the first time since yeah. season six we've had that. I don't really differentiate it like other people do. It's just like I've got my favourite episode summer from every series. And I don't really have that series six bubble. You know, everything before series six is brilliant and everything after it is rubbish that some people have. Oh, I wouldn't say everything before it's brilliant either. <laughs> I think there were some real stinkers in that first first six seasons, but I, I overall, hope, I think it worked. I hope you do not include backwards in that. <laughs> you might be disappointed. I didn't like it on first viewing. I've, I've warmed to it, but I didn't like it on first viewing. God, Sorry? Are you thinking of waiting for God? Yeah. I figured. I like the idea of it, but the execution, it, it had its moments, but it wasn't horrible or anything. It was just, eh, yeah. The Quagars. That was, um, Waiting for God was the first episode I ever saw as well. <laughs> well, uh, what will they think of Series 11, Episode 1? Sorry, I got cut out there. I, I think they'll. Well, the, I think I don't think they're going to like the cast change. Kachansky's going to suddenly be back, but Rim is going to be gone again. I think they'll and the cat will suddenly be female. They, they'll like the fact uh, that it's the first part of a three-parter. They, they'll like that. <laughs> I know exactly how you could get Angela and Heath to destroy their television with season eleven. Actually, open it. Have open it up with Terry Farrell as Cat in blackface. Oh, oh God! <laughs> oh. Ouch! And I think I just got unfriended by Heath as soon as he hears that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't remember that bit of Deep Space Man. <laughs> well, thankfully he won't be listening to this for quite a while, so I think it's safe, uh, Darren. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks for joining me. This- uh, this evening goes. It has been a blast. It was fun. Yeah, and fun. yeah. Um, there will be one more spoiler cast that we're going to be doing. Oh. For the um, books. We're going to because we're doing the three missing episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, ah. Uh, Identity within and body snatcher and what's the other one? Uh, the, end, the end. The original the assembly. Yeah. Are we going to talk about how oh. Doug and Rob came up with the fact Schwarzenegger was going to give birth on screen before Hollywood did? 
We're going to group those three three episodes, and we're going to group the four books together for the next spoiler cast. Cool. And that'll be our and that'll be our last spoiler cast. Aww. I'm sure they'll be so excited when they see the title of Rob Grant's novel. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about Ace Rimmer, so you know it's mixed feelings. But but it doesn't yeah. say backwards featuring Ace Rimmer. <laughs> Mind you, in the novel, the lo- the logic problems that were in the series, the novel handles the logic problems better, I thought. But then yeah. it also has Cat. Oh. Um, yeah. Cat's oh. gaining his virginity, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, but we'll we'll discuss that on the next spoiler count. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't, people. Maybe I don't. Which will probably be, be recorded sometime in the new year. Are we going to do one when series eleven starts then, or are, they, are we all going to watch it? Are they allowed to watch it concurrently? Oh, I've, ne- I've never really given them that much thought, to be perfectly honest, because that is such a far off. Um, yeah, thing. I honestly, I honestly haven't really given it much thought, Sam. To be honest with you, have um, uh, have. Do you know if people like Angela have seen um the series one to eight documentaries yet? Uh, as far as my wife, I haven't, but they have been linked to them on YouTube. Okay. But I haven't. I do not know if they've actually watched them yet. Because I think that'll be interesting to hear. What they think of it, and it'll, it'll probably give them a new perspective on those series as well. And they seem, well, like us, the kind of fans who would enjoy, well, documentaries like that, really. Well, the plan at the moment is when we finish season 10, missing episodes and the books, hmm. what we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing, may even have to be a couple of episodes um, together, but we're going to be doing a complete overview of absolutely everything. Oh. <laughs> um, and um, that's so a, a retrospective episode, basically. Mm, might have to. It might have to be a couple of episodes, to be honest with you. But we'll. But we're going to cross that bridge when we come to it, and that so that will be what February, March of next year. By the time we get around to doing that, I think. I think the title ought to be Red Dwarf: A Retrospective. Does Angela like backwards now? <laughs> See, I think I think we, in order for them to have the full experience, they ought to watch at least one remastered episode. Hmm. Mm. Maybe not backwards though. How about the <laughs> how about the, how about the end original assembly? Well, that's already on the list. That's already on the list. You could show them the Tika Tarad remastered because that one's actually good. The yeah. Extended and remastered. They just did the special effects up though, didn't they? Yeah. They didn't mess that one I, up. I, th- I, th- I think I posted the intro from that of the Starbuck flyby mm. onto the group. It's a shame they couldn't do the entire series like that. Yeah, mm. definitely. If any series needs remastering, mm. it's probably Series 7. Yeah, mm. but that's, that's talk for another time. So, um, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.